just at the recording volume, I'm no longer recording at 0.76. Oh no, I am recording at a full 1.00. I don't know. It doesn't mean units, it just <laughs> gives me a number. Obviously, the system is run by a nine scientist, a German scientist called Nine. Yeah, Nine. By a non scientist. Yeah, uh, I met a sound engineer guy at the conference I was at over the weekend, so uh, they're a different breed, a different kind well, of scientist. You know, it's working well for you so far. It's only, what, 30 minutes late starting today, so. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I tried to be on time. But well, the, uh, again, you say that to all the girls. Yeah, well, a few. <laughs> so, you're just back from the UK. How was it? Yeah, well, you were there for part of it, so well, I don't obviously, know. Obviously, that part was excellent, but how was the rest of it without me? No, I was going to say it was good. I was going to ask you. Uh, it felt like I blended in, you know. I didn't get uh, I didn't get shouted at, like in my first couple of days in Germany for... You know, jaywalking or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, and no, it was good. No, the, the village here is just about returned to normal. So, uh... <laughs> after the shock of having two brads, so yeah, it, 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 it's, it's like some sort of time paradox. They thought there was going to be a rip in the space time continuum, that sort of thing. So, right, right, right. Well, yeah, I guess we can we can dive into that. I guess we should say hi to the to the audience, and in case they haven't clued in they are listening to the to the brad's podcast so i'm brad and and i'm brad as well but that would also employ that we have listeners so you know it's true i figured if i uh if i you know said something to them directly that maybe you know they would start appearing you know if i was maybe a little more polite instead of just gabbing on about it actually no we we didn't do too bad i think we 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 had 13 listeners last time i think that's um decreased slightly now but um you know the only way is up. Yeah. Well, we had 10 listeners last to episode three, so. Okay, well, we could we could sit here and go through the listener count and berate all those who aren't listening for missing out <laughs> on all the great content. But, you know, I'm not sure that that's what our 13 listeners are here to to hear. No, I, I think you're right. I think we should motivate the, uh, the 10 or 13 that we have to go out and recruit more. If they all went out and recruited one more person... Then we'd have double the number of people listening. Yeah, I was like, I hope he's not going to do the math because I was just like, uh, what? Are, Twenty? Definitely not going to do the math. So I don't know if you know. So I'm drinking a pint of gin and tonic, so I'm definitely not going to be <laughs> doing any math. Well, and I've got my little glass of uh, sipping red wine here that I spilt before the show. That um, I was going to say, was it a large glass? But you've now sipped most of it all over the wall. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm going to have to deal with that. One of the reasons I was late today. Um, but it, uh, I would, my impressions of the UK, uh, very nice. Uh, I didn't get hit by any car, uh, looking the wrong way on the road, although I did do that a few times. Um, people were friendly. I've got, now got a bit more of a sense for the accents. Um, I've been introduced to the class system. Uh, I've seen the classes. I've seen, I think, a, a spectrum of all the classes. I think that was one of the more interesting things for me is just, you know, seeing such a, cause it does seem, I don't know, maybe not so well, so as much for you, but there does seem to be a bit of a divide, you know, like it's a really noticeable sort of thing, uh, you know, in some of the pubs and whatnot that it's just like, okay, there is this, 
two different types of behaviors, accents, people sort of mingling all at once. But yeah, and pub, pubs tend to be the mixing ground, to be honest. So you know, the the one of the local pubs that my dad drinks in is frequented by all the farmers, all the builders, the road workers, you know, all the so-called working classes at one end. And then, you know, in the same pub, you've got company directors, CEOs, um, the sir, the, the, the knight that owns the land, everyone's there, you know, and, and the pubs very much are a common ground. That's where everyone sort of just leaves who they are at the door and, you know, we're there just unwind, have a drink, have a bit of a chat, shoot the breeze, and then pick our uh, pick our nobility up on the way out the door and go home and <laughs> get back to our lives. Yeah, go back to the golden thrones and and the rest of it for some, and for the others, back to the farm, back to the the homestead, whatever it may be. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I did notice while you were here, you were picking out some of the accents really well, which um, I know a lot of people struggle with. It, mainly because you can't understand a lot of what the northerners are saying so the, the fact that you even picked them up as english is a you know a step forward yeah well i've i think i've been hanging around with you guys for for too long um and something i noticed actually when i was younger and i was traveling around is that like if i was sort of the only north american in a group um and whether it be australians or or british um that i was hanging out with i would start to just without thinking about it sort of adopt the accent in a certain words you know things like this it would kind of start to pop and it really it always really pissed me off because I was like brain why are you doing this like I don't want to like I like the way I sound you know I don't want to feel like I'm trying to like fit in with somebody or like I don't want them to think like oh look at this guy cute little Canadian guy trying to pretend to be like the real British people or something you know and it just like it always drove me nuts and I never really understood you know how that works in your in your brain like I've, i you know some people do it some people don't i know some people that have traveled you know to australia or whatever um and come back to canada and yeah and you can hear it in their voice for a bit and then it goes away so i don't know what part of your brain that is that's working i'll have to ask my very intelligent lovely girlfriend Teresa, about that um she does study the brain so she might have some insight into it um, but it was always a weird thing that the brain's kind of malleable in that sense, you know, and that some people have it, some people don't. Um, and I wonder if it would translate to like, in, you know, learning a new language or something like that. Now I'm just saying that because I want to be like, well, see, my brain is more malleable to learning other languages. So I'm kind of smart, you know? Well, I wonder if part of it is like, well, not evolution, but some sort of protective things. So I, you know, as I mentioned to you when you were over, a lot of people I went to university with were from up north. And I would just, I would find myself assimilating into, you know, a Manchester accent or a Yorkshire accent or a bit of a Northern accent. So I wonder if it's almost like a subconscious trying to fit in or, you know, adapt to the situation or the environment. Yeah, Yeah. it would be an interesting study, definitely. Belonging to the tribe. Uh, You don't want to, yeah, you don't want to stand out. You want to be part of the group or something, which, I mean, there's evolutionary you know, arguments for that, why people, you know, like prefer to be with their own kind, as they say. I know some people use these sort of studies and stuff in a warped way to reinforce uh, some potentially, you know, dodgy ideas about why we should all just stick to our own (laughs) countries and not mix at all or anything like this. But I mean, there's, there's some base basis to it, you know, um, 
you could see where as a social species there's benefit to staying in the group and whatnot but yeah i'm not totally i'm a little ignorant on the subject well well yeah same here but you know you didn't you didn't upset anyone when i was with you and you know you're not a social outcast you know people have said they'd have you back so <laughs> yeah that's true i didn't get bottled which was a big worry of mine well you know never say never and we you know we, we did go to you know to Leeds, which of all the places we're going to get bottled, that would be, you know, high probability. But. <laughs> yeah, no, it seemed we made we made some friends up there. But this is, yeah, this is one of the things, you know, that I think the UK has a, a reputation for is the uh, the uh, bar violence, I guess, if you want to say it in, in such blunt terms. But well, speaking of bar violence, how did you uh, how did you find the beer? It was okay. <laughs> I will say I'm glad I'm glad I'm back in Germany. I'm going to say it. You know, I I went out to the pub the other night for uh, for my birthday, and it was just like, ooh, this this German pills is going down real nice. Yeah, you, you broke up there. What what, what I heard uh, was you thought the British beer was amazing and so much better than the German beer. So, uh, <laughs> it's good so, to know. So moving on, yeah. Uh, no. You know what? I liked the variety that was there, and there was really good pale ales and really good India pale ales, which you just can't find in Germany. I mean, that's a typically British thing. Um, that was really good, but the ale, like the the true ale, the real ale, as you call it, the warm, the flat, it's just it's it takes a bit of getting used to. Having said that, you know I'll. I'll basically drink anything. So well, I was going to say, I didn't see you struggling too yeah, much yeah. while you're here without a drinking hand dying of thirst. So. Yeah. And some were better than others. You know what? If I had um, a bit more of a, an idea what what was involved, you know, and what might, I might like or something like this. But the bitters, not really my thing. Um, but no, it was good. You know, there was it was good beer. It's just a, it's a totally different thing that... I, I never realized, and I'm not sure if people that haven't been to the UK realize, is that beer and ale are very different. It's two almost totally different drinks. I mean, they taste a little similar, but it's like all the qualities are totally different. And so, like when we were when we were at your local pub there uh, last week, it was so hot, and you know you you expect the the beer glass you know to be like frosty cold and. <laughs> You know, go down just like super smooth and give you that refreshing. And then it was like, no, <laughs> this is a warm syrup that's going in. Yeah, we like we like all our drinks to be at constant temperature. So the beer is served at the same temperature of tea almost. That's the way. Yeah. It's just consistent that way. Yeah, well, it's, it's, that's what they... I get that from the British now that I've been there. It's a very even keel. Everyone yeah. very even keel all the way through. So Yeah, that's the way we roll. Yeah, I don't know. But when I'm in the, the US, I struggle with the fact that their beers are so cold. Yeah. Um, although, you know, when it's hot, yeah, cold beers, lovely. So, But for me, with, with ales, as we would call them in the UK, there's a lot more different flavors, varieties, as opposed to a lager type beer, which is cold gassy there's not a lot of taste to it as far as yeah. i'm concerned um and i find but i find some of the us beers are amazing but they're just too cold almost and i, I almost wonder if if you let them warm up which would, would they then be too flavorsome because i wonder if they'd be too overpowering once they're a little bit warmer but yeah maybe or they just might taste gross i don't know warm beer is just something i guess north americans for sure we are just not 
not accustomed to in the slightest. Um, but hey, that's why you travel, right? You get some new experiences, learn some new things. Indeed, indeed. Although so, I will, I will fill you in on this little uh, tidbit that one of my German friends uh, filled me in on. He said, "There's three things you need to know that will explain England." You know, and so you have. British food, British beer, and British women. The three reasons that they became a seafaring nation. <laughs> Sorry to any British British women listening out there, but... Hey, well, because Germany had it so perfect, they, they had to go and invade Poland. <laughs> uh, there, was just too ne- there was just too many of them. They just needed more room. That was wow. all. Yeah. How, how did that defence hold up for them in court? <laughs> no, not very well. Well, so what else? While, while you've been gone, what else has happened in the UK? So today, uh, the big news is um, that they've just given the go-ahead for the first new nuclear power plant ah. in 20 years. I know you and I spoke about this when you were here because we were in the, the powerhouse that is Leeds. So, yeah, the first, first power plant in 20 years uh, got the go-ahead. Um, 18 billion pounds. So what's that? 28 billion dollars, something like that. Um, a lot of controversy around it because they've sort of locked the price that the government will pay for or the, the public will pay for the power. Uh, they locked that in like three years ago. Uh, it's currently about double the current market rate. Um, and the French company that are responsible for building it and the funding about two thirds of the project, they voted on it today. That was the big thing. Um, but a wealth of people have come out and basically said that, yeah, they don't see the French company being able to complete it. They think they'll go bankrupt trying to build it. Uh, so yeah. So the news in the UK just gets better and better. You know, we're leaving Europe, new government, new opposition, not going to have enough power to power the lights in a few years' <laughs> time. So, but at least, you know, we don't have to worry about the beer getting warm because that's already warm. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to, got to look at the bright side. Yeah, if the fridges, uh, if the refrigerators go out, then you'll you'll be okay. Um, that's yeah, that's interesting. I mean, there's obviously politics and economics beside why they they would lock the price in like that. But I know that um, like is is nuclear a big? Uh, do a lot of people protest it there? That kind of thing, or is everyone sort of more or less accepting uh, of the benefits of nuclear power? No, a fair few protests. There's a, obviously Greenpeace and other green factions have come out today saying, you know, we should be investing in this century's technology, not not last century's technology, effectively. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which, I, you know, to be honest, I, I, is yes, we should be. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, in eight years' time, we've got to be able to meet the electricity demands of the country. Yeah. So if we're going to spend 10 years researching something that then takes another 10 or 15 years to stop producing electricity yeah yeah it doesn't really work and for me like the whole green movement you know there's talk about whether we have a a tidal uh, system to generate electricity so back in Bristol the River Seven has the second highest um, tidal difference in the world so from Mm -hmm. high tide to low tide so there's talk of using that to generate electricity Mm -hmm. Um, but it never happened and now you know, a lot of wind turbines going up, but as soon as you put a wind turbine come up, everyone protests that it looks unsightly and spoils the landscape. So, what you know, what's the middle ground? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and what are the um, yeah, what are the what are which ones work and which ones don't? Because I mean, it's uh, it's so frustrating because it is like it's exactly like what we were talking about, even just with the political debates and stuff. Is that you hear so much pro and so much against uh, for for all of these things? You know, the 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 water, the the wave turbines, or the tide um, generation of power. I haven't heard a whole lot negative against that, but I'm sure there's somebody out there being like, well, think of the fish. What about the fish? You know, they get caught in the thing and, you know, whatever. But yeah. And this wind turbines, that was a huge thing with migrating birds. And, you know, there was a back home in Canada, there was a big thing about bats apparently was messing up bats and like, you know, like scrambling their brains or something like this. Well, literally as they hit the turbine and got... Yeah. (laughs) No. yeah, Yeah. Well... Yeah, they had bigger problems if they ran into it, I guess. But no, it was something, yeah, no, it was something even before that. Like, it messed with the frequency of their sonar and, like, oh. totally, like, screwed their brain or something. But but it's, again, it's like, I don't know. And I'm, I I guess now that we're doing this show and we're talking about it, these are the things that I should be looking up so that I could be informed enough to talk about them. But it's it's. I think it's really hard, and I think that leads to a lot of the, you know, debates that, or frustration or apathy or whatever that people have with some of these kind of things and, and sticking with the status quo because it's like, well, I've heard wind power doesn't work. I've heard solar power doesn't work uh, or that it's not enough and, and that you need a proper, you, we don't have the battery technology in order to store the power, but then you, you know, there's gotta be a way that you can just put it right into the grid and not have it stored. Like all these arguments, I think get confused amongst people um having these discussions with my parents that just visited europe um so they came from canada to germany here and they were like everyone has a solar panel on their on their house like how does that work because friends and relatives that they know back home that work in the energy industry or whatever like it can't work doesn't work you would you don't have a battery to store it uh so putting a solar panel on your home really won't do anything and it's like, well, everyone's doing it here, so clearly something's working. So is it energy company bias? Is it just different, you know, environments? I mean, yeah, I've I've got some, I've got a couple of friends that have, have had them fitted to their the house. So yes, there are times of day or times of year when they don't make enough to power their their own house. Uh, yeah, other times of day or year that they they do, and actually the way it's worked up, then you actually sell it back into the grid. So any excess, you're generating a, a small income from. It probably offsets what you spend the rest of the year on on putting it in. So yeah, it's it's not a total solution, but to me it it, it does surprise me that as we build new houses, new offices, whatever, we're not building in some of this technology because it's like, well, okay, the initial outlay is quite high, but if that panel is there for 15 20 years mm-hmm. at least it's going to generate something you know that's that's at least better than absolutely nothing and but it does amaze me and we've got huge solar farms in the uk popping up now that seems to be really popular um especially on land next to motorways and really busy roads where i think they've started to move crops away because of the fears about pollution and things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're putting in these huge solar farms in a country which isn't renowned for its sunshine. <laughs> um, yeah, you got that right. Uh, yeah, well, you didn't do too badly while you were here. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's every little helps, I think, is, you know, is, is the way it's going. 
So, you know, I think there's, there's all more, you know, there's definitely more each of us can do. Um, it's not an ideal solution, but it's a second rate. It always amazes me when I, I travel to countries. I went to Dubai to visit a friend a few years back. Didn't see a single solar panel in a country that has 24 seven sunshine practically. Yeah. Um, absolutely not one solar panel. Now, the fact they have like 80% of the world's oil reserves might have something to do with that, but. You know, it would make them less dependent on their own export, which one day is going to run out. But it's a very short, short-sighted view, I think, about the time frame of the Yeah, I, I, I think that's that's true, um, and it is a short-sighted sort of um, uh, view. But it's also, I think, like people always say that it takes a big, you know, whether it's a catastrophe or something like this, for humans to react. Um, we're very slow to sort of react to these impending crises or whatever. But I'm surprised that more people don't have the, well, every little bit counts, you know, every little bit helps, you know, like if you talk to some people, it's like, well, I would like to do something, but unless I know that it's going to fix it completely, it's like, well, I guess it's not my problem. Like the idea that, you know, you can start with recycling, like, you know, which is now commonplace in, in most countries in most places that you have you sort your recycling and whatnot um but i mean that was i remember hearing about that when it came in it's like oh well like what's it really going to do and what's the big thing and i mean people still talk about recycling being a scam and it's just a i don't know there might be kind of fringy uh people but yeah this mentality like what how, how does the human psyche work in order to you know get people motivated to these things um this is one of the things i mean we may have touched on this in previous episodes i can't remember you know we talk so much brad that i just lose track of all these really hard-hitting deep cutting issues that we get into uh <laughs> what well, where's our next pint coming from that's sort of yeah thing. where's the next pint how did you like the beer you know <laughs> you didn't get smashed with a bottle you know the the stuff that people are really interested in the cutting edge that's why you went on that journalism course yeah yeah exactly but actually this ties this ties directly into some of some of the lessons about the journalism course but what i was saying what i was going to say is uh trying to convince somebody of something you know especially large groups of people i think it's really really actually really hard to do you have you know and and they've done studies where you can show people all the facts in the world, you know, like you can show them the data, you can show them this, you can walk them through the data. It doesn't matter if their mind is made up, you know, then their mind is made up and it's there as you're listing the data points, they're internally finding ways to refute them or, you know, challenge them and, and the rest of it. So it's like, how do you get, you know, people on board? And it's, you know, we see it, you know, with energy stuff, which is directly tied into the climate change. You know, how do you get that message out when there's still a really vocal you know, adversaries to it? You know, and it seems it doesn't matter how many, you know, scientists or experts, although Nigel Farage has already told us he's informed all the experts that the public is tired of experts. So we know that maybe we shouldn't be uh, using experts anymore. But yeah. Um, you know, what is it? How do you get that? How do you get that message out? You know, how do you? If it just seems like a, even talking with you know science communicators and stuff where they they're telling me these things too, it's just like, well, then what the hell are we doing? Why are we even you know? Then we're doomed, you know. 
But yeah. Well, and I think that message is starting to get through. Yeah, uh, if you think of oil companies, they very rarely call themselves oil companies now. They're mm-hmm. energy companies because yeah. you know they realise that the end is nigh. Not that nigh for them, I guess. You know, we still have oil there, but they're having to diversify. So a big, a lot of the big oil companies and energy companies are starting to look at alternatives. Um. And that's that's what we need. And I guess you know the people like Greenpeace, the vocal people out there that are pushing for the alternatives. Yes, there is a group out there that call them crackpots and you know pain in the backsides or whatever. But they're pushing for a you know a cause and things like recycling. You know, I think I said when you were here. Now I, it amazes me. I don't have enough. My my bins get collected twice or uh, once every two weeks, once a fortnight. We call it in the UK for rubbish, and then on the alternate weeks for recycling. And I actually have more stuff going into recycling. I run out of space every two weeks for recycling than I ever do for the rubbish. And you just think, you know, 15 years ago, that was all going into landfill. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it is a scam, it might be. But where's where's all the recycling going? You know, it's obviously going somewhere. Mm-hmm. So I like to think that, you know, it's making a bit of a difference. You know, it's, it's not ideal. And I wish we'd start doing it years ago. Cause, but, you know, every little bit helps. So... Yeah. And like I said, in this journalism conference that I was just at, um, it's the, the, the talk was on climate change and, and how do you be a journalist when you're working for publications that are skeptical on climate change or have a reader base or an audience that's skeptical on climate change. And some of the best things that I heard and optimistic things that I heard were, you know, that you know, we, we kind of went through the same thing with cfcs or you know whatever it what you know there's been these sort of things in the past and the truth eventually comes through but it's like how long does it take and how long do you have before that but i think one of the big things that and this kind of you know can bleed into a whole nother discussion about you know any number of issues that people are very vocal about um and it and it tends to be from my perspective usually people that i try to agree with, you know, left-leaning liberal people, but it's how you get the message out and not being too preachy. That was one of the big things that came out is that you can't be preachy in these things, but yet so many people, especially nowadays with the social justice warriors and all the rest of you, you, you're familiar with the term social justice warrior? Uh, I'm not, no. Oh, okay. It might be a North American thing, but it's it's these groups of really vocal people on the internet and, that are fighting for a cause, often a cause that I think most people can get, get on board with, but they're so preachy, we'll say, and, and, right. and also right. not even just preachy, like downright aggressive, downright bullying you know, and it's it's almost on the level of like thought police. It's like you can't even have an open discussion because if you don't agree that everyone, you know, the new norm should be that we all ask each other what our gender pronouns is before we meet a new person like this. Then if you don't agree with that completely or you even just say, well, that seems a little let's have a discussion about this. It's like, nope, you're transphobic bigot that has so much white privilege that you can just get the hell out of here. And it's like, okay, like nobody, most people aren't, you know, wanting to offend or wanting to discriminate or anything like that. But we need to have a discussion on these kind of things. And you can definitely take them too far. 
And we kind of need to see where middle ground is and talk about things in order to actually understand them and figure out what the best course of action is. But there's a really, really like, you know, aggressive part of the Internet, we'll say. Yeah. And, and they've been dubbed social justice warriors because they're out for they're out for justice and they're out for, you know, the righteous cause and everything. But it's like, ah, I think you're going about it in the really wrong way. So you have, when you say social justice, I have two images in my head. One of like Ultimate Warrior, WWF, <laughs> WWE wrestling. Yeah. And the other of being like some sort of Justice League Avenger style thing. But yeah, in the one big thing I've learned working in a, for a large corporation that I do is it's not, it's not always the idea that's important. It's how you get that idea across. If you can't communicate your idea or your message, it's, it's not going anywhere. Yeah, well, and you can't you can't push people around. You can't force people to see the world the way you see it. And you can't force people, you know, you can't police speech. I think that's the biggest thing that I, I, I feel with these people is that, you know, and, the, and the, the gender issues is a big one and feminism is a big one that, you know, if you delve into these things on the Internet, even just a little bit, you'll see how nasty it can get. On both sides, you know, like both sides of the of of the debates get get really nasty. But I think for the average person, you know, that's not in, partaking in this discussion day to day and is just sort of hearing the sort of fringe things come out or the major things that come out. They're just like, what and what is going on here and how am I supposed to act? And I think that this also you know, by trying to language police people and say, you know, the minute they disagree with you on something or the minute they want to talk about something in a way that you don't think is right, you're getting aggressive, loud bullying and the rest of it. That's how you, you know, people end up turning to the guys like Trump, you know, that are like, well, he says it like it is, you know, like I'm tired of political correctness and the rest of it. Right. And then so it's actually it actually harms your message by being so righteous and you pious and 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 aggressive and you know it's it's just not not the way to yeah, go but. yeah i guess you get you get some numbers you get some groundswell but then i would say ultimately with my personality ultimately you're going to lose me in that mm -hmm. message but i guess there are some people that get caught up in that wave and you know start banging the drums and waving the flags and, and go along with it yeah 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 oh definitely um yeah, and it's, I don't know, it's tricky. You can you can look at it too as like, you know, society's moving forward like culturally with like, you know, gay rights and transgender, you know, rights or whatever you want to call it, like acknowledgement of this thing in society or this, sorry, see, now I'm correcting myself, not thing, you know, people, you know, it's, it's a thing. It's now I'm all, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting you for someone on Twitter. Across flash. Come on, get it across. Yeah. You're losing people. Yeah. Yeah. I think I might've totally lost it, but I was just, you know, there's down to nine listeners now. Just yeah. <laughs> we should have a little ticker going up. Like, as soon as I, no, no, we'd end up in negative numbers. As soon as I possible. start rambling about something. No, I guess what I was going to say is that it's like, you know, society's pushing forward. And then that push, that initial push forward goes really far. Um, to in the direction you know of political correctness inclusiveness you know the rest of it almost too far and then maybe we kind of revert back a bit but we never go back as far as we you know back to archaic times you know where 1950s madmen where guys are 
smacking girls on the butt in the office place and and all the rest of it. You know, that's okay, isn't it? We can still do that. <laughs> I don't know what it's like in the UK. I've never I've never held job. I've never held a job. I, I, to be fair, I, I do it equally. Uh, there is a ratio of like two to one for every two uh, ladies. But I uh, give a little spanking too. I, you know, I give one for the guys as well, just to balance it out. Yeah, you don't want them to feel left out, right? No, exactly. It's not an equal ratio. I'll be honest. Heterosexual <laughs> male, but you know, I like to mix it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and there you go. And this, you know, that's a you, we're joking, obviously, and you shouldn't have to say that you're joking. But <laughs> oh, he's, oh, he's not. He's signaling. He's not joking. Okay, he's not. Sorry to put words in your mouth. Well, but, as long as it's just words, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I could see the PC culture in, in in the UK is not quite as crazy well, as it is in no, some. I, I think it is. I'm still stuck in 1970s carry-on movie, which I yeah. don't know if the carry-on movies ever got outside of the UK. But they're very uh, set in double entendres and uh, raunchiness. But I have thought of a way of which we can win listeners back, Flash. I mm. think we can... We've dropped to nine. I think we can bump it... Probably to eleven or twelve. Let's hear it. The craze that is sweeping the nation, and nigh not just the nation, the world. Pokemon Go. Yeah, holy shit! I cannot believe I, I ventured into town just briefly the other day after I, I dropped you back to just get some cash out of the the wall, and there were literally I say fleets of people, about four people I saw, literally heads down, staring at their phone, and then looking looking around so you know it was clear that they weren't just reading emails it's clear that they weren't looking at direct they were pokemon go hunters i don't actively actively searching for mythical creatures yeah yeah and i I, almost like the 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 numinous characters out there these supernatural mysterious creatures there was one guy on the news that's quit his job i think he's based in the u.s he's quit his job to devote his life to finding all of them Hey man, you know if you got the resources and the time, I'd say go for it. But well, I got the impression he, well, he now has the time. Yeah, I got the impression he didn't have the resource. I may be, I may be judging in my, you know, class system Britishness that I am. <laughs> I very much got the impression that he was going to struggle to feed himself from this point forward. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I don't really. I mean, I guess I. I mean, I kind of get it. Like, it's it's pretty neat. Like, I'm fascinated with the technology of it, the augmented reality thing. I mean, that's it's that's really cool stuff. Um, another topic of journalism that I just heard about was augmented reality journalism. You know, like, so stories that are consumed on the mobile that use aug- augmented reality as part of the medium. I mean, I don't, I can't really conceptualize how that'll be. Uh, just right now but i mean that's fascinating but if the pokemon go thing is just yeah it's 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 an i guess you know what the 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 classic uh bash you know on on gamers and stuff oh you guys just you they stay in their basements all day and they never get out you know things like this so i guess you're reversing that trend and at least you're yeah. going out and and meeting people face to face you know so there's a there's a all well, the I people that I don't, I don't think you're meeting them face to face. You're bumping into them as you're yeah. staring <laughs> at your smartphone. But from what I understand, you do once you catch these things or whatever, then then you're you're uh, you can like battle them with other people. So there's meetups 
where they all get together and like battle them. Now we just sound like I feel like I sound like my grandfather trying to explain. <laughs> uh, from what I understand, with the Pokemon things, is you just you kind of on your phone, but they're not on your phone. But you know, so well, there's, there's a social you, aspect, I guess, is what I'm saying, which is the but this classic. is the difference between you and your grandpa. In the at the moment, you know you sound like your grandpa. <laughs> in about ten years' time, once the dementia, and the Alzheimer's kick in. You won't know anymore. And yeah. That's that's when you really become your grandpa. So yeah. you're okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't quite. I so I haven't done it for a little while. I used to geocache. Right. Yeah. Which I guess is a you know very similar sort of thing. And the reason I got into geocaching was, you know, I travel quite a lot of work, and I always just felt as if I didn't ever get to see the place. Sometimes you know I got to see the places, but it's a good excuse to get me out the hotel and go and look around places and whatever. And I, I did it a, a few times when I was away and. Yeah, good hobby. I know people that do it with their kids, like when they travel in the UK. There's a lot of them um, based around like service stations on the side of motorways and things. So, you know, if the kids are on a massive road trip, you know, it's another way to keep them entertained and stuff. Yeah. So I, I you know, I'm trying not to laugh too badly at the people that I see play Pokemon Go because I guess I've done the same while geocaching. Although when you're geocaching, you try to do it secretly. You know, that's part of the game. Because we're too embarrassed just to be out there, you know. We're we're in the closet still as gamers, I guess. Yeah, as you should be. Um, uh, yeah, but it just amazed me how this this thing is just. It, it doesn't seem that like what's been going a couple of weeks, as far as I'm concerned. Maybe maybe it's longer, but suddenly you know, there's some guy in the UK on the news. How has this guy got in the news? Because he's collected all 142. He got them in all the, in the UK. Yeah, and he's even collected one from the US. Um, and they're like, oh, did you go to the US? No, no, I hatched it from an egg. Yeah. So of, course, of course he's not left, you know, let's give him credit. He's left his basement. He's not, <laughs> he has got out, he's got some fresh air, but he's hatched this other one from from an egg. And I, I just think that I, I don't ever remember seeing somebody on the news going, I completed Super Mario Brothers. I completed something, you know, but suddenly, you know, this, this is newsworthy. A little bit scary, I think. Well, yeah, I mean, even, you know, what's the last, yeah, what's the last video game that made such a, you know, in mainstream news, right? And I think it's because of the technology that it is, that it, like, people find the technology fascinating as well. But I mean, video games have been massively popular in, you know, the internet spaces that don't get on mainstream news for, for ages now, you know, like, I guess, you know, just take a look at South Korea and the arenas full of spectators watching video games you know you don't you don't really hear about that unless someone's told you about it or something but so yeah i I think it's the technology in this one i mean pokemon i remember when i was a child when it came out was a fairly popular popular thing as well so maybe it's a generational thing too and that like all these people that grew up with it are now the tech savvy or you know really gaming people so it's got an even bigger surge you know in popularity but yeah like there do you remember the the only mention of like yeah super mario brothers in media was that uh what was that really crappy movie that was made where about the the gaming competition maybe you didn't get this in uh in the uk but there was this this movie that was i was too busy in my basement playing games yeah (laughs) yeah i was never much of a gamer my brother was always so much better at them than me so he would just win or so we would put you off. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. Done. yeah. <laughs> well, you would do the thing, you know, where it's like, 
you get to play, you know, if it's not a two-player game, one guy plays until he dies or runs out of lives or whatever, and then the next guy plays. So it was like, my turns were like five minutes and his were like an hour and a half. So I was just like, what? <laughs> this is not for me, you know? And then when we go head to head, I just, I'm just getting killed over and over and over and over again. So I developed quite a bad habit of throwing the game controllers, you know, like the, like the really tantrum child. So I was just, I've, I've never been a, a gamer since then. But there was a movie in the eighties about a guy and it was basically just an advertisement for Nintendo, but. Yeah, but yeah, you're right. Like you don't see this. This has seemingly swept the the world and the news. Yeah. Well, I I really hope that your brother listens to our podcast a because it's one more listener, and b so that he can edit that segment just so that he can get Brad lasts for five minutes, I last for an hour and a half, <laughs> and Brad wasn't much good at head to head. In I'd I'd edit that, and if I was your brother, I'd be blaring that out over the sound waves every every <laughs> holiday and family get together. Make it like a ringtone or something. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? He's never going to get the link for this this now. So. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think I've still got his number from when I visited. So yeah, you probably. Well, there you go. Yeah, but you know what? I'm not too worried about it, Daryl. If you are listening, go ahead. See if you can work a sound editor. I don't think you can. Hey, and Daryl, if you are listening, thank you. Thank you for listening. <laughs> and if you're not listening, why the hell aren't you listening, yeah, son yeah. of a bitch? Uh, yeah, well, you know, maybe the, maybe the world was also just uh, in need of some lighter news or some distraction or something, and, and the Pokemon Go thing, you know, jumped right in. But like I said, I'm fascinated with the technology, and I think it's yeah. like a another really cool example of like, you know, people come up with these apps or technology or whatever, and you never know exactly what it's go- like what it's going to latch onto. Like some of the, um, you know, live streaming video apps. Like I think it was before Periscope, but there was something that came out where it was basically yeah, like you could live stream video, and like the whole the big viral thing that went was what's in my fridge. Did you ever hear about this one? Oh my God. Fortunately, no, I didn't. I, <laughs> I feel as if I'm about to lose a five minutes of my life because you're about to explain it to me. <laughs> this is basically it. it was people sharing videos of what's in their fridge. And it was like, this was like, you, you with all the high minded things that you could think to do with this, like new live streaming video technology, you know, peer to peer sort of thing. What the biggest thing that took off was what's in my fridge. And you could like, you know, what's in my fridge? Here it comes. And then everyone would sign on to the thing to look at what's in the guy's fridge. And everyone was just looking at each other's fridges. And so you just, you know, I guess it's it's kind of like what we were saying in earlier episodes about having the bubbling stew of innovation and, and research going, you know, because you never know what it's going to, when it's going to go to. And you literally do never know what people will do with some of these ideas or some of these technologies and it's i mean that's why we you know these having the open source you know forums of like hey i'm working on this i'm working on that with the internet is really cool sometimes you end up with pokemon go sometimes you end up with what's in my fridge sometimes you end up with twitter you know well when you mentioned technology i got really scared just there i saw a news news article and i read the headline and the headline did exactly what it had to do it yeah. grabbed my attention um basically light bulbs could be the weak link in your home cybersecurity. I'm like, what? People are hacking into my light bulbs and <laughs> reading my emails, videoing me. What? What are they? What are they doing? And so, 
But because of the headline, I had to read on more. I couldn't just leave it there because, you know, I was just about to get the hammer out and go around smashing light bulbs. <laughs> um, safety advice, anyone, don't do that. And if you're going to do it, at least make sure they're turned off and the power's off in your house. Um, yeah. You know, don't get the glass in your eyes or your feet. Um, but no, it's these, you know, internet savvy light bulbs now. So you can, you know, control light bulbs from an app. If you, not all light bulbs, you have to have technology. Yeah. Wi-Fi enabled light bulbs. The internet of things, I believe it's called. Yeah. But it's just like that then sort of made me think of what, what part of our life soon isn't going to be connected to internet. You know, we already have obviously phones that connected, computers, that's the obvious ones, tablets, cars that are connected to the internet. You know, I know, um, if it's not available yet, I know there are fridges available that, you know, email you say you're running low on milk today. Mm-hmm. You know, we now have light bulbs that are, you know, powered via the internet. What what part of our lives isn't going to be powered by the internet? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what are the, like, you know, people, the, the security, you know, issue behind that data privacy, you know, is something that a lot of people are talking about, you know, well, security people and people yeah. that are in the know on this. But it's something that none of us want to talk about because I can see the look on your face right now. You're just blanking out. Like, who wants to? Yeah. <laughs> no, to, to, be, to be fair, it's because I've, I've almost expired my pint of gin tonic. That's why I was blanking out. But uh, the, well, and literally just before I logged on, I was just scanning through the, the news channels and there was um, pets are starving to death. And I thought this was late. I saw a news article this morning about um, animals in Venezuela in the zoo dying of starvation. I thought it was related to that, but it actually turns out that there are um, smart feeders for pets that you can control remotely while you're out and about. So if you're traveling for a week, you can leave seven days worth of food down for your cat or whatever and control it from your app. Um, but the server has been hacked or it's gone down. So there's concern that, you know, these pets are starving to death. Oh God. At home. Um, but I think the interesting, you know, the interesting point that came from that, there was somebody on there saying that it's all very well and good that we have all these systems and we're home reliant on them, but you should always have a manual backup. You know, in this case, always have the phone number to a neighbor that's got the key that can go in and yeah, deal with that, which I think, yes, it's very true. But for a long time in, in, in business, we've always had business continuity plans. You know, if our email server goes down, we switch to a backup, you do X, Y, Z. But how many people in reality, you know, you come out on a morning, you go to start your car and it doesn't start. There's very few people that have a backup to that other than ringing the automobile association or mechanic to come and fix it. How many of us keep a second car just as a backup? Or a bus pass. Yeah. But is that the sort of thing we need to start planning for? We need to plan for, okay, well, in our homes, we need a backup server. We need, you know, a backup IT person, We, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, and even just how, like you said, how, what, what things are you willing to, to relinquish control on? Uh, you know, um, yeah, I don't know that I would be the early adopter on some of those technologies that are like, you know, say you were, you needed, you know, insulin or, or something like this, you know, some sort of medication that you needed to have delivered every day, certain, you know, like, are you going to put that in the hands of some sort of, you know, technology patch that goes on you? I mean, what happens when it when it goes down like it inevitably will? I mean, technology is not perfect, but, you know, accidents happen. What's the risk? What's the, you know, we all drive cars. We've all handed our lives over to these, 
you know, metal machines that we smash around at, you know, hundreds of kilometers an hour. So I guess we're willing to put our, our hands, our lives in a, a lot more, you know, into this yeah. and into these companies. Like who's running these companies? Who's, you know, the data that's going through for your light bulbs and stuff. Yeah. Who, who's behind that? What's the security behind that? It's, it's a sweet technology and you wouldn't think that, okay, well, whatever that's just know when i'm turning my lights on that's who cares what what can you do with that information yeah. but that right away shows that you're home that's one thing you know like and then from there you can build a profile of when you're home mm. when you're not home when are you most yeah, or, likely or, or, to be home or or you're not home or you know somebody hack in and see that you're turning your lights on remotely from russia when your house is in london yeah 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 exactly uh, and i mean that's just that's just we're looking at that just like from the classic like criminal sort of you know someone might want to you know jump in and rob your house or something like that but i mean it's just yeah the more and more that i kind of hear people talk about data and you know the more i've heard edward snowden talk about you know the metadata and everything like that i think it's a it is one of these things that we're like we're just barreling full speed into handing our lives over to this technology with very little you know thought about what the implications actually are and 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 who's who's holding that that power i mean a couple big things come out in the news uh about you know the implications of some of these things like when the fbi wanted to get into the one of the shooters in the U.S.'s phone and, you know, the company, I think it was Apple, didn't want them yeah. to get in, you know, but it's like, well, so, okay, maybe you could say we we trust Apple on this, that they're not going to give away our stuff, but, you know, that's sort of what they're saying in public. Other people come out and say, well, they could get in, like anyone can get in. It's not really that hard of a thing, but who's the company behind it? Do you really trust Google with all of our information? Who who cho we all chose Google with our dollar, but beyond that, what do I know about Google? I know nothing. I know that they've provided me with sweet maps, and they're collecting all my data. That's what I know. Yeah, I think I think that's an interesting one because I, I I'm not a massive Apple fan, but I, you know I have an iPhone, I have an iPad, I don't have a Mac. If Apple are listening and would like to send me one, you know I happily <laughs> accept it. Plug. Um, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't go out and choose those pieces of technology because, well, Apple protect my privacy or whatever. But it is nice, and, you know, I, but when I see the news articles of, you know, they're standing their ground, they're not unlocking this technology because where, where do you then draw the line or, the, or they're unable to unlock this technology? Um, but then that does make me a bit more supportive of them, but I guess. Would I be upset if I discovered that Big Brother was listening in on me? Probably, but conversely, what have I got to hide? But I get the point of at what point do you draw the line? You know, if Big Brother is listening in at some point, you know, what's the same? You know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. So at what point do they get too much information and then that becomes dangerous? Yeah, for me, it's a... Uh, it, yeah, these are. I think these are really interesting questions that we should all be looking into. And yeah, I don't. Again, I feel I feel that same way. It's like, well, I personally don't have anything to hide. But it's more about you know, it's not. 
I think that's the wrong way to look at it. And some of the stuff that Snowden has said, where it's it's not about an individual, it's about metadata. I mean, you can track an individual with metadata, but by having knowing all these big trends and stuff that are going on with people and their attitudes and everything, I mean, how then how easy it is it to manipulate certain political events or certain you know types of events that would then sway the public one way or another that in in a favor you know and is google the mastermind are they the specter organization secretly controlling all you know events and manipulating everything i personally don't think so but you know speaking with well just while i was in the uk speaking with a guy who he's saying he works in this in this field and i don't know exactly his qualifications but he did. He felt he was like, he's like, I respect them from a strategy point of view because I think they're doing an amazing job at they have all this information that they can wield a lot of power with. Um, and I, you know, kind of counter was like, well, maybe it's just the, the nature of the system, you know, like we've all sort of decided to go this way because it's really convenient and Google is doing all this stuff. Do they yet realize or are they yet wielding this big club that they have? I don't know. Yeah. Um, like I said, I I always tend to go away from the idea that there's a handful of individuals controlling everything and actually, you know, manipulating this guy, I think, was kind of, in less words, pointing to some of the destabilizing events that are happening in Europe, particularly, um, and saying that there was somebody behind it, you know, that was going to benefit from it. And I mean, it's like Winston Churchill said, don't let a good crisis go to waste, Yeah, you know, which is true. And I think that there will always be people ready to capitalize on crisis. But I don't think so many world events are really like they're connected in a very, you know, sense that all our decisions in history and politics have led us to this point. But no, I don't think there's a specter organization behind it. But, you know, it's it's these are discussions that we need to have i think especially with our privacy our data privacy and how much we're putting out into the world and the internet well, i did like the way that and we, we've not touched on it and actually i'm quite glad in a way because i think we've been a little bit heavy on it but um trump yesterday basically went back to playground tactics of i dare you russia i dare you i dare you to hack into hillary's emails yeah that's what we've got to know we're, we're daring other nations oh. Yeah, to to do stuff. So you know, is there this big spectral organization? Well, if so, I you know, I dare you to, you know, prove yourself or yeah, yeah. It's a novel, but yeah, we did have this conversation about you know, is there a bigger power you know controlling all the world events like a James Bond Spectre type organization? I no, it would be my viewpoint because yeah. you know. If there are people out there that clever to control all of that, surely they they can flip it to be well. I'm that clever. I can sort it for a world good, as opposed to just that. You know, what are they getting from it? Mm-hmm. Well, um, power and money. Well, but you know, they would get just as much power and money if they flip that and you know, devise the next new smartphone or next new piece of technology. So yeah. Yeah, it does. It does that that whole scenario, that kind of conspiracy theory idea. Yeah, it does point to just, you know, purely evil people just for the sake of being evil, you know, like yeah. no, no real ideology behind it other than, 
you know, we can do it, so we're going to do it, you know, but yeah, yeah, so, and I mean, I don't, don't mean to go heavy into the conspiracy theory stuff, because, I mean, again, like, I think it's, you know, you have to think about these things, I guess, and, and talk about them, but, you know, Occam's, Occam's razor, or as some of our friends call it, Occam's raisin, uh, <laughs> dictates that, uh, well, if they're current, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I think that's the way to look at it. It's like, what's the most simple solution? The simplest solution is that, or theory, I guess, behind it is that we've built these power structures, you know, whether it's politics, capitalism, you know, the way the economy works and everything to run a certain way and individuals get in there and they get into positions of power and they want to maintain that power. So they do things in order to maintain that power maintain that position i mean that's natural that's the way that it goes and then the system then gets warped to feed into that and the system becomes that so yeah the system needs to be reset you need to abolish it and then start from the bottom and make something better and make something that works better for the good of more people um but it's not one guy sort of wielding it yeah absolutely it's just i feel like it's just the way that it's like an evolution, you know, evolution doesn't have a, a set course, you know, it just finds the way to go. And it's the same thing with this, you know, with global systems, I think. So I, I had two other things on my list. Yeah. One, one highbrow and one, um, we'll call it lowbrow, but maybe entertaining. So Flash, you get you get to choose which way we go first. Um, okay, yeah, let's go highbrow. Uh, we always want to end on a on a good fart joke, which I think is probably what you got cooking for the second one. So, oh, now, now see now, <laughs> now you've overhyped it because I, it, yeah, it's not that good to be honest. Um, so you put the pressure on now, but we're going to go with uh, science news yeah. today. Yeah. Um, the first new class of antibiotics in like thirty years. Do you see this in the news? It was discovered today. Slow, yeah, good clap. a massive round of applause. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you see this? No, I did not. No, I, I I've been horribly out of the loop for the last little while. So, well, let me let me blow your mind with this. I'm ready. Um, and the way I'm going to blow your mind is by telling you to blow your nose because the first new class of antibiotics was discovered in snot. <laughs> lovely, lovely. Yeah. Uh, discovered in Germany, so you know, shit beers, but <laughs> so no, not too bad. Um, and basically, they discovered um, a bacteria in the noses of people that has the ability to displace um, Staph aureus. So, Staph aureus, which then can mutate into MRSA, one of the superbugs. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's a it's a Staphylococcus. Uh, let me try and get this right. Staphylococcus lugdunius. Very nice. And I said that with a bit of a Scottish accent, but uh, maybe I'm right on that or wrong on that. But basically, they found that about 30% of people have Staph aureus or MRSA in their nose, um, but they never had the two together. If they had this um, this other Staphylococcus there, the Staph aureus didn't exist. Uh, and they narrowed that down to a certain gene, and then within that gene... Uh, some sort of chemical protein that's been produced, and it, yeah, they've they've named it uh, lug dunedin, uh, L U G D U N I N. All right, um, and obviously they're saying it's going to be years before it gets to market, but uh, potentially, you know, the knock-on effect of this is 
Well, we've mined plants and soil. That's where a lot of the other antibiotics come from. Maybe now we start mining the human body for cures to its own disease, you know, which I see the logic of, you know, some people are more predisposed to Mm -hmm. infections, cancer, leukemias, you know, and there are some people that aren't. A lot of that is explained through genes, but there's also a lot of that due to, you know, other bacteria or symbiotes or whatever. So they're saying that, you know, the future could be that we now start looking back at ourselves to find the cure Mm -hmm. for things within ourselves, which is, you know, a fascinating branch of science, I think. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I I don't know if you know the answer to this question, but they... Well, no, I've just read the story, Flash. I don't know the answer to (laughs) saving the whole of mankind. Give me... Let me at least finish my gin and tonic, and then by the end of it, I might be able to help. No, I just wanted to know that. So if I, you know, pick my nose and then eat it, am I going to be a healthier? Uh, (laughs) I gave you the choice of a highbrow and a lowbrow story, and you've ultimately turned my highbrow story into a story about bogeys or boogers from North Americans. So... um, yeah, you've rained on my bonfire. I got a, I got a bit of a talent for that, you know, that I like to... What, picking your nose or <laughs> raining on my bonfire? Both. Um, no, I, I was just a little interested in the technology of it. So the bacteria, basically, it outcompetes or displaces the bad bacteria. The good bacteria does this, and they've isolated a gene that allows it to do that. Um, yeah, basically. So, yeah, for a while we've known that, you know, in the gut you have, you know, commensurate bacteria that are good. So you have all these probiotics and, you know, push out the bacteria that are bad. But it's always just been thought, well, that's a, you know, a nature, a competitive nature thing of, well, that, you know, that bacteria is better at surviving in the gut. But now they basically, with this bacteria uncovered, well, the reason that happens in the nasal cavity, for instance, is because of this chemical and we can express the gene for that. Therefore, mm-hmm. We think we can probably create it. Yeah. So then recreate the protein in the form of like a pill or actually like be giving people like a probiotic bacteria that can displace. Yeah. I guess the the, yeah. the delivery mechanism, I guess, is what I was wondering at. But that's what will take the next 10 years to figure out. And Wow. That's it. And then they also said in the report that um, men men like yourself, Flash, men with beards, yeah. um, are also prone to have fewer fewer pathogens, including MRSA. So people go, oh, I don't like a bearded man. He's unclean. He's unkept. Actually, science says I'm cleaner and have fewer pathogens than uh, my clean-cut neighbor to the right of me. Yeah, well, hey, there you go. I mean, you wouldn't know that by smelling my beard, I'm sure, but... (laughs) Or so I'm told. Well, there's probably the remnants of what a, a spicy pizza and a doner kebab from Leeds in there, I would guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's amazing how much the beard could trap those smells. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, that, that makes sense to me because I think, um, uh, wasn't that the evolutionary purpose of body hair in general was to sort of keep the skin clean and stuff right. like that. So, I mean, I guess the beard is no different. Doesn't doesn't surprise me. Um, but that's, yeah, that's really interesting because I know there was a big, you know, there was a big antibiotic resistance scare and a lot of doomsday reporting, which actually then got walked back by a bunch of other journalists saying, hey, we need to tap the brakes on this doomsday reporting. But I mean, antibiotic resistance is a big, it, it's a, it's an issue that we'll, we'll deal with forever. And I think that that's a really interesting, um, yeah, like you say, returning to the source almost in order to find the cure is really interesting. And we know that bacteria can 
fight with each other and do all this stuff. So finding the right ones that are really good at killing the ones that we don't want. And then with gene sequencing technology, finding out how they do that. Really, yeah, that's really neat stuff. I know they were looking at a lot of soil bacteria as well. Um, uh, yeah, and that's basically they've sort of said, well, that's historically where the bacteria have come from. You know, I know um, some of the drugs in our field of research in parasitology have, have come from soil bacteria. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're saying, you know, this, you know, and, and obviously there's a huge amount of research going on into plants and, you know, whether they can generate, you know, cures for things, which, you know, is going back to, you know, many, many years ago of, you know, how we used to cure things with natural medicines. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're basically saying, well, this, you know, this could be a whole new branch of science to turn science on its head of looking within for the cure as opposed to yeah, always looking out. Which, I mean, when you think about it, it seems like so sort of obvious. Like, why not go, like, the source <laughs> of infection is in the body. Why not go to the other bacteria that are in the body dealing with these things on a day-to-day basis, you know, dealing with their potentially hazardous neighbors on a day-to-day basis right but i think but, it, yeah i guess that's the thing isn't it it's going most of the you know the, most of the world's great inventions are found by going back to basics almost yeah 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 and putting a you know a clever technology spin on that mm-hmm. but a lot of it stems from the basics yeah well it's i think yeah like uh, this whole idea of the metagenome and the you know the bio the bacteria sim- symbiotic bacteria that live with within us you know maybe we're seems like it's been the last 10 years that that idea has really sort of kicked off. So I guess we're, we're starting to see the reaping of the benefits of it. So, you know, it's not all just, um, you know, poop transplants and, you know, eating your yogurt every day. We're actually, <laughs> well, yeah, that was another thing. Yeah. The poop transplant was, yeah, that was the other thing, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, you know, we're getting the, we're starting to see the benefits of the, of the metagenome. So I'm glad that it, this one involves, um, you know, just, picking my nose and eating it as far as what I understood from your story and that I don't have to have a poop transplant yet. So that's good news. Okay, good. Well, then, you know, going from the toilet humor that is poop transplants into uh, the the lower brow story, which actually now actually probably isn't that low brow. So um, <laughs> it seems, seems a little higher now, doesn't it? Yeah. The classic game of, um, it's called Cluedo here, but I think in the US or North Carolina it's called Clue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So for once, we actually had more letters in as opposed to the Americans that like to cut vowels out. Um, so invented in 1949, um, there has been, and in the words of any Scottish listeners, they'll appreciate this, there's been a murder. <laughs> a murder? A murder. There's been a murder <laughs> in uh, the world of Clue or Cluedo. Uh, and we know who the victim is. The victim is Mrs. White. Mrs. White is gone. She's been cut from the list of characters. Ah. Uh-huh. Um, and I read this and thought, oh, you know, is the PC police gone mad? You know, that, well, Mrs. White, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it, basically, it, they've not admitted this, but it sounds like it's a bit of a marketing ploy. Uh, so Mrs. White's been killed off. Mm-hmm. She's going away. Permanently. Uh, yep, permanently. She's getting replaced by Dr. Orchid. Dr. Orchid. Sounds um, nefarious. Yeah, so Dr. Orchid, um, I think what's interesting is they've released a picture of Dr. Orchid. Dr. Orchid is um, quite young and attractive, so I don't know whether that, you know, that's part of it. They're trying to appeal to uh, this younger generation. Uh, Dr. Orchid is a biologist, Ooh. so, you know, we should feel at home with a PhD in plant toxicology. Mm. Um, she was privately educated, 
I don't trust uh, her. I don't trust her already. Well, exactly. Uh, you shouldn't trust her because she was actually expelled following a near-fatal daffodil poisoning incident. Ah, the plot um, thickens. Yeah, yeah, but this is where it thickens even more. She was actually homeschooled by Mrs. White, the person she's replacing. Um, and she stands to earn a fortune when Dr. Black, who's the owner of the clue, the Cluedo Mansion, <coughs> dies, um, as she is the adopted daughter of Dr. Samuel Black. Okay, well, <coughs> this I haven't thought about clue. This much in in a long time. <laughs> wow. And, you know, I, I hadn't really thought about it that much other, other than the fact I did watch the movie Clue yeah. the other day, which is an excellent, excellent movie. But, yeah, so it, it's in the headlines over here today. Um, and as I said, I, th- I thought it was very PC related. I thought, oh, we're not going to have whites and blacks anymore. And, yeah. Um, and they killed off the whites. I thought, you know, maybe it was pulling one back for the recent spate of shootings in the US. Yeah. Uh, but no, it does just seem to be uh, Hasbro are trying to re- revamp it and, you know, make it sexy with Dr. Orchid. <laughs> well, they saw they saw how well Pokemon Go was doing and augmented reality games. And they were just like, well, shit, what are we going to do? We got to do something. And their marketing team, this is the best they could come up with is Dr. Orchid. <laughs> Well, I, I guess it was that, or they invent a game in, in augmented reality where you wander around murdering people, <laughs> you know, in random places. Maybe those that are playing Pokemon Go because they wouldn't be watching watching for the blunt object yeah, in the back yeah, of their head. Yeah, the hammer the or rope. the yeah the rope, yeah, the, <laughs> lead, the lead pipe, the rope. Yeah, yeah. Uh, revolvers are hard to come by. You have to know a guy. I know, I know some guys. Obviously, I'm connected. Yeah, I'm a gangster, and I. Um, but yeah, that was that was that was the second biggest headline in the UK today. So we had nuclear power plant, and uh, Mrs. White's dead. Well, you know, R.I.P. Mrs. White. I never really liked her much anyway. She was always kind of stuffy, a bit too old-fashioned for my taste. And um, oh, she was getting you say that. But after you've been exposed to the class system, you, you've just gone all, you've just gone all working class, right now, <laughs> haven't you? Power to the people, flash. Well, you know, she was always. Uh, she was getting up there in age, so she would always, you know, say some things about uh, about immigrants or, you know, people of color <laughs> that just weren't, you know, quite, you know, the th- what you want to hear around the dinner table. Everyone was always having to be like, oh, geez, she's had another glass of wine. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe someone should just get that lead pipe out. And yeah. <laughs> so good riddance, Mrs. White. We all have our time and yours is now. <laughs> well, a, a, a harsh critic, I would say that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the uh, the loving, caring Brad Van Paramount here. <laughs> if you yeah. see him coming towards you with a piece of lead piping, it's probably your time. Yeah. You probably deserve it, yeah. from what he said. Yeah. Probably your time. Yeah, I was always a Mustard fan, Colonel Mustard or uh, Professor Plum. These were my guys, so... Yeah, I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think I always wanted to be Colonel Mustard. I think I just want. I just wanted the title of Colonel. Yeah, really, but yeah, that's yeah. you know that's the British class system. If there'd been a knighthood or a lord in there, I'd be all over that. So, well, you got the accent for it, from what I understand. Well, you know, I try. I try. <laughs> so, do you want me to summarise where we've been I guess, today on I guess this, on this journey? Yeah. So, so on this journey, which is episode four, we didn't acknowledge episode four. Yeah, all right. Well, um, episode four. Which, well, it is so cool. And I think especially because episode four, for me, whenever I hear episode four, I always think of 
a new hope. Yeah. Which yep. ultimately is where the Star Wars journey began. So, you know, if we can be, you know, a tenth as large as the phenomenon that was Star Wars, I'd, I'd be happy with that. I'd be slightly overwhelmed and shocked, but, um, you know, I'd be, I'd be happy with that. I would be underwhelmed and not surprised at all. Well, that's because you're a megalomaniac looking for world domination. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I dare you, I dare you, Flash, to take over the world. Hey, man, I'm trying. I, you, you hear all these harebrained ideas I have out here about data protection and stuff. It's <laughs> The wheels are turning, man. The wheels are turning. Obviously, that, that's your plan, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, Flash, he stands with data protection. Yeah, he'll protect our data yeah. at the same time he's Give using me it your data. Us. Give me your data. Yeah. It's safe with me. Yeah, you're like the modern-day Trojan horse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to summarize. So summarize where we've been. Um, as I said, you broke up early on. So in my summary, we have that British beer is better than German beer. <laughs> no need for you to comment there, Flash. That's fine. Um, that, you know, we're not... Off, that us, the two brads, aren't afraid to sell our souls. So we are appealing to the masses via video games now. Uh, we started with 10 listeners uh, from before. We dropped about nine, but then we mentioned Pokemon Go. So we're at least back to 12, hey, if not 13 we're, listeners. We'll, we'll shamelessly promote anything for those listeners. Yeah, I think so. Um, the world can be saved by snot. So, you know, don't be afraid to sneeze over somebody next to you. Tell yeah. them you're doing them a favor. That yeah. <laughs> yeah, do um, that. That'll go real well. That'll go over well, real well on the bus. Yeah. You don't know unless you try. That's right. So give it a go. Um, but I think the most important thing for all of our listeners who've learned today is flash by name, flash by nature. Uh, you last for five minutes, but Daryl, your brother, will last <laughs> for hours. Um, and if, if nothing else, I hope we've won another listener over there, and at least Daryl by that, because he is literally going to be playing that on a constant loop from here on in. Uh, well, good. Yeah, it's... Hey, yeah, I'm you. You forget that I'm in the I'm in the control booth editing all of this. So you know, <laughs> just, oh, give me your data. Give me your da- give me your recordings. Yeah, I've edited you, you bastard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All this uh, let's talk about free speech, and you know, I, I I don't like language policing. Once I've gotten a taste of that power, you know, it's actually quite intoxicating. So what what you're saying is that when when this gets played back, the listeners are going to hear. And Flash lasts for hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. Daryl lasts for minutes. Yeah, yeah. It'll just be like random edits yeah. thrown in. It'll be super choppy. Well, you know, I gotta, I gotta work on my skills. I gotta work on my skills. So uh, this gives me something to do. I have like a, I have the the podcast that everyone hears, and then uh, which is the real one for now. And then I have, yeah, I have my own, you know, Brad's cuts. Brad's cuts that will <laughs> Brad's cuts. I yeah, like that. Yeah, you know, especially if you want to open a barber shop. Yeah, which I need to. I need to hit up one of those coming up here. Wow, pretty quick. I didn't want to say that. I, that. And I think we should throw the haircut to the, the the Twitter frenzied crowd out there. Flash. I think you should maybe throw out some options and people vote on it. Uh, you know what? At this point, I'm just looking for suggestions. I'm just looking for suggestions. I did the long hair experiment and uh, yeah, I'm ready for something new. So yeah, if anyone out there on Twitter, you know, you hit me up at, at B Van Paradon, I need some, yeah, I need some help. I need some advice on that one. And if you want to hit me up in all, you know, subliminally under the radar, suggesting to Brad, then it's uh, at Bradley W. Hayes. Um, or if you want to be public and get with both of us, then it's uh, at two Brad for you, uh, T W O Brad for you. 
Um, or if you go to one of our Twitter handles, you can you can find us from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now and then, hopefully, these new listeners that we're getting by the minute that are listening to this right now do interact with us on Twitter, hit us up, and uh, yeah, uh, start the discussion. Because, like I said, I've been woefully uh, out of the loop a bit with my science news and and the rest of it. So, but I've got a few uh, things that I'd like to follow up on you know and i guess you're going to be off to the u.s um right away here so i might might give me a bit of a chance to actually catch up and come to the table a bit more prepared i'm you're putting me to shame and i i I don't know it's mainly because you put me to shame over every other episode so i'm glad that i've you know i've come off the ropes throwing (laughs) punches um this yeah maybe Maybe we squeeze one in next week, but yeah, and as you said, I'm off off to the US for a conference to expand my mind, develop my learning. Okay, well. Um, and go and try some new beers, obviously. Yeah, that's what conferences are all about. But I do like this competition that's get, getting fired up here on this podcast. We've been much too congenial with each other, and I think it's about time that we really take the gloves off and, you know, go uh, go for the hard-hitting issues. Not even, not even that, just... Uh, you know who came with more issues to the table i think is is you know <laughs> let's let's just i'm all for i'm all for competition i'm a capitalist at heart brad capitalist at heart well, well i dare you not to be <laughs> you know that's my weakness you know i can't take down it i can't put it not accept a dare <laughs> all right man well i think it's time to uh wrap this baby up so it's been a slice, man. It's been a slice. Yeah. Until until next time, both uh, to you and to the nine, ten, or thirteen or more listeners we have out there. Like like Pokemon all around the world, we're we're hatching new new listeners all the time. Oh, I see what you've just done there. I like <laughs> it. I like it. End on a high. End on a high. All right. Cheers, man. Take it steady.